This is the 100k Freelancer Club podcast, the show for all stages of self-employment, from first-time freelancer to fully-fledged business. We're here to talk tips and advice to help you on your journey. Today, we're tackling freelance marketplaces. We're talking Upwork, Fiverr, Freelancer.com. You get the idea. What are some of the best practices for using these websites and how can they help you grow in the self-employed game? From bidding on projects to standing out from the crowd, we'll dive into the details. Welcome along to the podcast. I'm Niall McCorn. Alongside me, as ever, is Jacob Rickle. How are you doing, JB? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, very, very well. Looking forward to this conversation. By the way, make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast if you are interested in what you hear. That way, you'll never miss another episode of the show again, no matter where you listen to the show, no matter what platform it is. If you hit subscribe that way, you won't miss an episode. You'll be notified straight away as soon as a new one is ready. Of course, we're called the 100K Freelancer Club. Our website, 100kfreelancerclub.com, offers comprehensive courses when it comes to freelancing. So perhaps, like we just said, if you are new to the freelance game, or even if you're slightly more experienced and you just want a little bit of a nudge to know how to get to the next stage and try and rake in more clients and ultimately earn more money, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Then go and check out the website and you can look up some of our free courses and also some of our more comprehensive courses as well. So go and browse the website, 100kfreelancerclub.com, and check out everything there but for now a bit of free material on this podcast we're always happy to give some advice so let's get stuck in as i say jb freelance marketplaces we've got experience on both sides of the table let's just say we've got experience in actively looking for work on these websites like upwork fiverr and freelancer.com and we've also got experience on the other side of the coin actually looking for people uh, to work for us um, on a certain project or a task so before we talk about the latter, I think we should probably talk about the former first. Um, actually looking for work on these websites. Now, the best way to describe freelance marketplaces is exactly that. They're websites where people post um, what they want effectively. So if someone's looking for a, a freelance graphic designer to design a, a logo for their new uh, cupcake business, that might be something you'd be interested in in pitching for and, and bidding on. And different websites have different systems. For instance, Upwork has a bidding system. Um, other websites simply don't. It's just whoever applies for the job um, might get picked. It's very, very unique per website, let's just say. Each one has a different system. So let's just talk first about actually actively looking for work. And the first thing, the first thing I think we should say, JB, is that pretty much everyone who's a freelancer is at least on one of these websites, maybe two, maybe even more, or at least has been at some point in their freelance journey. They're extremely, extremely popular, but can you see why? Yeah, I mean, these are massively, massively popular, and it's obvious as to why. It's because it's probably the easiest way to find work, because people are actually posting. So the employers and the companies are posting, I need this graphic design done. I need this photo taken i need yeah. this website built and then all you have to do is say i'm going to build it for this much money or they'll usually post a budget like i want it you know the budget's a thousand pound you'll go okay i'll do that for 950 pound or i'll do that for 1050 pound mm -hmm. and it's just the super it's just a super simple place it's just really easy if you're not you know, experienced in marketing or building a personal brand or, you know, inbound client acquisition. It's just as easy as it gets. But because it's as easy as it gets, sorry, the competition is insane. Like we were talking just before recording this podcast. Uh, I'll give you an example. So um, in these freelance marketplaces, you can basically operate in a number of ways. So as an employer, 
the employer can go onto the freelance website, whether it be fiverr.com or upwork.com. In this example, we'll use um, freelancer.com. So the employer, let's just say Nike, can go to freelancer.com and they can post in two formats, uh, or three formats rather. They can post a competition, they can post they want to pay you per hour, or they can post that they want to pay you per project. And to be paid per project would be, for example, Nike go, okay, we need this billboard designed, we're going to pay you £1,000 to design this billboard. And then everybody bids on it and they submit their, you know, essentially their CVs, and then Nike get to go through and view all the submissions and then pick one. Second one per hour is pretty obvious, they'll say, um, that you know they're going to give you $25 or $50 per hour or whatever it may be and then you bid with your you know hourly rate and how long you think it's going to take you and then the third one is competitions and competitions it can be good to get started for beginners but it also be very difficult because again there's just a crazy amount of competition but yeah. um, the the competitions basically they post okay popular um, uh, for this type is like logo designs for example so a company will post we need a logo designed and they'll post a description we want this we want a, a camel with two humps smoking a cigarette I don't know what whatever the um, whatever the logo may be and then people will go away and f without getting actually paid for it, they'll design the logo and then submit it. And then the employer, the person who's posted the competition, gets to browse all of the submissions, and then they pick the submission they like the most, that they want that logo, and that person who wins takes the money. So it is literally like a competition. And if you're fast at doing graphics and you can like enter loads of competitions in a day, high-paid competitions, it might be you know, a really good opportunity for you. But the example that I was looking at today, so we were looking for a logo design for a client, right? And um, I was I was browsing through the existing competitions on freelancer.com and the price wasn't exactly high, you know, I was looking around the, you know, the $100 mark. In on this um, post, which was, it was between like 70 and $100, and there was 1,800 submissions. So 1,800 people had submitted design for this competition mm -hmm. for between 70 and 100 pounds. So yeah. obviously the risk versus reward to that, and by that I mean like, what are the odds of you actually getting picked? Yeah, the time management whole of it, afternoon? you know, exactly, yeah. You, you know, the time yeah. management of it, of is it worth me spending my time, you know, doing this? to then not be compensated at the end of it, you know. So, I mean, I think that's an important factor. I mean, you use the word competition there, but I think it's really important that we do mention that because anyone listening to this for the first time who's thinking, oh, I'm not on any of these websites like Upwork or Fiverr or whatever, sounds like a really interesting thing for me to be on and it's a chance for me to really pick up some clients and hoover up some work. I think the important thing to say is it's a great platform for you to be on, but the level of competition is extensive. Um, it's not quite kind of like looking for local pitches and jobs in your local area. You know, you're very much competing on the world stage here. And it, it, in that sense, I mean that there are projects being posted on these websites from all over the world. You know, I did one recently on Upwork, or at least in the last few months, um, for a client in Australia. You know, that, that you couldn't get any further away from the UK than Australia. So yeah. you're factoring in time difference and stuff like that. But just 
a few thoughts from you on just how competitive these marketplaces are, both from the kind of looking for work and actively seeking someone to help you with the task? Well, I mean, there's just an insane amount of competition because you said it's on a global level, right? So if you're a freelancer in England and obviously you need to make a certain amount, a certain amount of money to maintain your quality of life in England, um, as you're competing on a, a global level, there's going to be, if you bid, so this is how you actually win um, the projects, right? So an employer posts something, hey, we've got this job, who wants to do it? You post, yeah, I'll do it. So you bid on it, right? So you're bidding to actually get accepted to do that project. If you bid on something, you're also going to be getting competition that's going to like cut your prices massively from places like India and Indonesia. But then you're also going to have massively experienced guys from some of say like the tech hubs like LA and stuff like that charging probably quadruple what you are. So you really need to know like your sort of price point and what you're going for and what your value actually is and really get that across in the bid. Um, you, you can do things as well, like you can pay these companies money like freelancer.com and Upwork to say highlight your bid or to make sure that you're the number one um, on the list when the employer starts looking through and stuff like that. And we can, you know, we can get onto that in a later podcast or later in this podcast. But those are some of the things that you can do um, to stand out. But in terms of like level of competition, it is massive. But from the employer perspective, I will say this, that most of that competition is trash and I know if you're a freelancer listening to this and you're listening to this educational podcast about how to improve yourself as a freelancer how to improve your business how to get more clients and just generally how to be better you are probably better than most of the freelancers on these platforms because you've got to remember there's no requirements to sign up from this literally anyone in the entire world with an internet connection no matter what your experience or what your field can sign up to this right so I think a person like you listen to this is automatically better than let's just say 50% of everybody on there now it's up to you to hone in your profile and make your mm. um, experience to stand out on the profile and yeah. really know what you want to be offering and how do uh, people do that JB I suppose they'll be thinking well, all right okay that's great and you know if I've already got a leg up in the fact that I'm experienced how do people make themselves stand out from the crowd and as you say there are differentials in this for instance the defining factors of living in the UK and earning enough money from a project in the UK might not be the same as a country with a lower GDP let's just say that for instance the standard of living and the the cost of living in India is probably slightly lower than what it is in the UK Um, and likewise the UK is slightly lower than what it is in Switzerland so you know you're looking at differentials there in the sense that you know, companies obviously in this capitalist world that we live in will be looking for the best deal they can possibly get. But you need to also make sure that you stand out from the crowd to give you a fighting chance of being selected by whoever's pitching for this or whoever's, you know, put this posting out that you they're going to pick you. So what are some of the best ways to do that, in your opinion? My, my first thought would be add all the experience you've got onto your profile because if people can't look through your profile and see exactly what work you've done and whether you're suited for the job you're not really giving yourself a very good opportunity of actually landing the the client that you're looking at no exactly and i mean if you do have like your own personal website your own business website that advertises your services your freelance services and you know it goes through your portfolio 
it doesn't matter. People are lazy. They're not going to click through to your profile and then click through to your website. They're going to be skimming through hundreds of these things. So you want to get all the information that you've got on your website in, or if you don't have it, just all of your information about your portfolio, the work you've done in the past, not all of it, sorry, but the best bits that demonstrate you know, how good you are. You want to get that on your profile. So we'll, we'll go through the rest of this podcast in, um, in the perspective of that somebody's just starting a new account, right? Sure. on one of these things so they've got no reviews or anything like that the first thing you want to do when you create an account is you starting off you can create an account on multiple platforms so you could go to fiverr freelancer.com and upwork let's just say you've got three um three accounts there and then what you're going to want to do is 100 percent complete your profile it's just such a simple thing you yeah. actually get marked by the system for how much you've completed your profile. Um, and, and that includes things like uploading or selecting what skills you have. You have to upload um, like your ID to verify that you're an, um, that the account is who it says it is basically. You know like on Instagram and stuff like that, you get that verification tick. Well that's the same thing on these websites, you get a verification tick, but all you have to do is basically submit your identification and I think like um, a utility bill or something like that. And then you get a verified account and all these things massively pump up like your rating, let's just say. So not your rating as in reviews, but like your secret rating that these platforms give you. So every time you bid on a project or bid to get some work, your bid will be placed in order um, dependent on how <laughs> high these platforms rate your profile, right? So if you're a brand new profile, no reviews um, from other clients on the platform, you've got, you haven't filled out the profile or you haven't verified your identification and you bid on a project, you're going to come dead last. Now the guys mm -hmm. that are going to come at the top are the guys that have had, you know, the profile for five years, they've completed a thousand projects, you know, they've got 500 five-star reviews and all that jazz, right? So they're going to be coming at the top. Now, what you can immediately do just to become just to get into like the top 50% of um, the bids, it's just 100% complete your profile and verify your ID, and then you're automatically gonna jump above anybody else who's done that. Um, the second thing I would recommend is on the platforms you can actually, especially on Freelancer, I think on Freelancer.com and Upwork specifically, they have these things called, um, uh, well I think they call them certificates. So they're like little exams mm -hmm. that you can take that prove that you can do that specific skill. Because obviously you can, like people lie about the skills they have, right? Of course, you know, to try doing and get it forever, Like in CVs, yeah, exactly. It's kind of hard, like if you're doing like small projects, so say for example, you got like a little, you know, one day's work for $250, let's say. I'm not, if I'm the employer, I'm not gonna go around verifying that, you know, this person's got that degree from that university. It's gonna take me way too long when they're only gonna be working for me for one day, you know? So I just have to go by what's written on their profile and their past experience and all the stuff that's actually verified. Well, these exams, there's say, say you're a web developer, right? And there's a HTML and a CSS exam. You can do these. They're free on Upwork. They're five pound each on, um, or five dollars each rather on Fiverr. And you complete these and you get graded and it gives you like um, the percentage uh, of the world that you're in. So like if you do, if you ace these exams, it would be like top 1% in the world at HTML or top 1% in the world at CSS or whatever, which that is gonna give you a massive leg up if you've got no reviews the second thing is what you can do is you can actually bring existing clients through using a link on your profile 
to the platforms to pay you through freelancer.com without commission uh, because you're bringing the client to um, the platform. And the reason why you would do that is because it is super hard on these platforms to get your first gig. To get your first couple of paying clients through freelancer.com and through Upwork is very, very difficult because why would you as an employer trust somebody with a new account with zero reviews when somebody else that's bidding on the project has 500 reviews and has worked on 2,000 projects. So it's very difficult from that perspective uh, to actually get started. But one thing you can do to combat that is find clients outside, bring them into uh, Freelancer and just send them a payment link through there so they can pay you through there. And then you start to build the review system. So every project you work on, you get a plus one project. Every review you get, it adds to your reviews. And all of these add up to you going higher up the list every time you bid on those projects. Eventually, you're gonna reach a point where you have so many reviews, well, this is the dream, right? You have so many reviews and so many projects completed that it's not about oh, which one am I gonna get, it's about which one do I want. You'll be able to bid on anything and get anything you want because you've, you know, you've nailed the pitching process and your profile is just so good that you're gonna to start to get picked like 90% of the time. You can see statistics in your actual dashboard. So you can see, um, I think mine from back in the day, so I haven't really used these platforms um, for a while. Maybe the last time was like 2014 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, my, um, uh, my conversion rate, let's call it, was about 33%. So every one in three bids, that I bid on. So every one in three projects that I said I wanted to work on, I actually got. And that's probably a good place um, to be aiming for if you're a starter freelancer. When you start out, you, you might be like, you know, 5%. So every one in 20 bids um, is, is the one that you're actually, uh, the one that you're actually going to be getting. You're right. I think it's not worth getting demoralized if you're not getting any work um, through Upwork and freelancer.com and stuff like that. But it is worth definitely being on there. Now, especially with what's been going on through 2020 and now into 2021 with this uh, pandemic that we're in, the coronavirus pandemic, um, a lot of people have found that some of the more regular revenue streams, let's just say, dried up at some point. And this is where I found Upwork really, really useful. During the, um, the, the three-month period of which Premier League football, which is the top division of football in the UK, which is what I work in, basically, for anyone who doesn't know what I do, I'm a, a freelance broadcaster, so I present podcasts, edit podcasts, produce them, commentate on football matches, radio, TV, you name it. Anything to do with football and talking about it, I'm your guy. Um, but when there was a pandemic and it first kind of hit the UK and kind of swept across Europe, Football was suspended for three months, which kind of left me without an income stream, or at least it kind of severed one of my income streams for three months. So I used Upwork to my advantage there. And I thought, right, well, I can't just sit on my hands and wait for everything to blow over because at that point we didn't know how devastating coronavirus was going to be. And sadly, now we do have, have come to realize the full impact of it. But certainly in terms of a working environment, there was no real clear indication um, from the government uh, in terms of self-employment packages and grants at the time um, as to what the right course of action would be. So I thought, right, I can't really wait any any longer than I need to. People have got bills to pay and, you know, you've got food to put on the table and stuff like that. So um, I used that work to my advantage there um, and I was looking for all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, being a broadcaster, the main thing I do is talk and use my voice. So, you know, I look for voiceover jobs 
and I did an English literature degree, um, which I put on my profile. And uh, that helped me attract people who were looking to make audio books. So I worked with a a few people. Um, Like I say, one of the clients I mentioned earlier on in the podcast was based in Australia. That helped me get by. And that was just one example of an audio book that I did for someone on the other side of the world, um, because I kind of tailored what I was looking for. So if you go into Upwork now or any of these websites, Fiverr, Freelancer.com, you search football commentator, which is my main job, you'll find nothing. You won't find anything on there because there are not many people that are looking for football commentators. And if they are, it wouldn't be on Upwork. So, you know, you have to caveat it with that. So what you do need to do is sometimes be a little bit intuitive. And sometimes you do need to step out of your comfort zone because the competition is there. Um, you will find people do chance their arm a lot more on these websites than if it was, for instance, a traditional job application. If someone was sat there with a CV that didn't meet the criteria that the job application was asking for, the chances are they probably wouldn't apply to save themselves wasting their time. But with the modicum of the internet and the anonymity that comes with that, people are keen to just chance their arm, throw their hat in the ring and say, oh, well, I reckon I could do this and give it a go. Now, I think that everyone needs to have an element of that, an element of adaptability and and maybe stepping outside your comfort zone a little bit because I'm not a voiceover artist by trade. Now, it's part of the work that I undertake, but I'm not an audiobook producer or a, a narrator. That's not my job. But I actually had to step out of my comfort zone and narrate some audiobooks. Um, and that was kind of giving me a, a slow but steady income stream for those three months. And actually it was a much welcome boost to the coffers. You know, I I needed that money when the other freelance work was drying up. Now, I'll never make a secret of the fact, and I never have done on this podcast, that I'm both employed and self-employed. So I'm currently employed in a contract with a company as well as doing self-employed work uh, around that. And it's quite comfortable for me at the moment in that situation. Um, But obviously, freelancing makes up a decent chunk of my income. So I needed to make some money back um, uh, from the time, the three months that football was suspended. So that's probably what I would add. Uh, Maybe adjust what you're good at because... You know, if you if you work in quite a niche freelance community and a freelance marketplace, for instance, you know, I use this example all the time because I think it's a really good one. If you were a freelance dance teacher or something like that, there's no way that anyone would be looking for a freelance dance teacher on Upwork. So, you know, you need to understand that these websites are often tailored towards more digital um, skill sets, let's just say. So, you know, you might be a yeah, dance teacher. Yeah, the job could be done remote. Oh, 100%. But, you know, but how are you going to be a dance teacher? I mean, you, you could do it over Zoom nowadays, I guess. But, you know, certain jobs won't work with Upwork and Freelancer.com. Certain jobs will. For instance, digital-based jobs, for instance, voiceovering or podcast producing. Some of the other things that I do uh, are a lot more desired on these websites than um, football commentary is. So, you know, you kind of have to sometimes tailor your profile to what people are looking for. And as soon as you sign up to these websites and you go on the home screen and you, and you click the, the find work or jobs tab of the website that you're on, respectively, you'll soon get a quick idea of the sort of thing that people are looking for. And if you feel that you can contribute to that, then it's definitely worth probably tailoring your profile to try and suit the needs of what the majority of jobs are asking for. That would be my advice. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, on the other end of the stick, though, like you don't want to be too broad. You don't want to be like, a, you know, like a one size fits all type of character where you're just offering this, that and the other service. Because if you're focusing on too many different 
fields or too many different services, the employers aren't going to take you serious. When people are looking to employ somebody for a freelance gig, they're looking for an expert in that field. So they're looking for somebody who really knows what they're doing. And if you've listed nine different things that you can do, mm-hmm. how can they take you seriously on one specific one of those when you're spreading your skill sets so thin? So I think what you need to do is before you enter or to start making bids on projects and before you really like tailor your profile, is just to take a look through the platform. What kind of jobs are people posting? What jobs are posted most often? What jobs are like the most highest paid jobs? And then select from your skill set what you're going to do and try to go down a path as niche as possible so when you're applying to these jobs it's basically you've got an advantage because you look like an expert so um, that might be if if you're a web developer instead of like a one-size-fits-all web developer where you work on you know custom code and Joomla and you know Squarespace and all this other stuff you could just specialize to be like a WordPress developer for example after doing your own analysis on um, you know the market, who's getting paid the most, you know which jobs are there most of, which ones are like going to be the easiest um, to actually get. So uh, you got to be, I mean, taking the advice of myself and Niall here is kind of a tiny bit contradictory, but I think there is a good middle ground. Obviously, you don't want to shut the door to any opportunities, so you don't want to just say on your profile or make it look like you only literally exclusively this very niche thing and you won't do anything else because employers of you know jobs loosely based around that are going to look at it and you know bounce. But there, there is a medium point. Like you don't want to be, you know, that one size, uh, that one size fits all. And I think uh, another thing that we need to mention really quick as well is that um, when people apply, so when you apply for a job on Upwork or Freelancer, really read the description of the job and what the employers posted, and actually write about that in your pitch. Because when I advertise for jobs or when I'm looking to hire um, a freelancer, I get spammed, and so does everybody else, every other employer on the website, you get spammed with bots. And that's basically just a program that people use to just post and post and post and just to bid on everything. So obviously if they're bidding on everything, they're just copying and pasting in a script. And these are obviously Mm -hmm. super, super easy um, to spot, right? Because they're not writing anything specific about the project. So what you want to do as a freelancer, and especially, especially, especially if you're new to the platform and have no reviews and have no real advantage on the platform, what you want to do is go into extreme detail on the on, on um on the on the project, right? So if they're asking, say for example, you're a web developer and they're looking for a new website, you want to get, hey, I've had a look into your business, I've had a look at your existing website, um, I can see room for improvement here, 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 and here. I really like what you've done there. I think there can be, you know, improvements. Um, here and I'd love to go in this direction with the design and that's really going to capture their attention because not a lot of other people are going to be doing that and you can even take it one step further and this is especially important if you're a freelancer if you've got the time and you've got no other work on there's no real time constraints and you're just trying to get into the freelance world what I would do is for the bids that you're bidding on actually do some of the work beforehand so for example using um, web design again what you could do if somebody's saying okay I'm looking for uh, a website that's a marketplace a bit like Amazon and we're a company that specifically sells I don't know teddy bears or whatever 
you could actually just look at that, look at their competition and say, hey, I've looked at your company, I've looked at your competition, this, 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 and this um, is like like similar between the competition. And I feel what we could do is a design like this and just do a basic sketch of what you think the design could look like. And now you've already gone that extra mile before they've even paid you, before they've even talked to you, before anything, which is really, really, really gonna capture their attention. And mm. I think that is gonna give you a massive, massive hand up. And as people start to engage with you more, it might not be that you get the job, but as long as the person speaks to you and messages you and says, hey, mm -hmm. um, you know, like I liked what you did there, can you do this, this, this and the other, they might try and negotiate with you and, you know, yep. bash down the price a little bit, but you've got that contact, you've made a contact and you can always say to them, hey, like if you don't, um, well, you'll get notified if somebody else gets the bid, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, hey, I noticed that you went with somebody else, um, just, you know, a word, for me, like I'm always available for projects in the future. If um, there's anybody else, I'd be more than grateful if you could like pass my details on. Here's a link to yep. my freelancer profile. And it goes and back to goes the networking as, as well, doesn't it? Because you've got to keep yourself in the minds of potential clients. Because I mean, a lot of the time along your travels as a freelancer, um, and just kind of as you, as you work more and more as a freelancer, you'll end up meeting people um, that are involved in um, d different industries and different areas. So, you know, sometimes the networking thing uh, is almost naturally ingrained in that. You know, you need to have a little bit of that within you. And even if that is sending a quick message to someone on one of these websites asking for a bit of advice and a bit of feedback, then definitely I, I would recommend doing that. One thing I will say just to kind of uh, close out the podcast is... We've also done an episode on portfolios. Um, make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. I've done an episode on portfolios before. It's one of the first episodes we ever did actually of the podcast. And Jacob makes a really good point there. Even if you're not interested in bidding for, for a project, definitely just use that find jobs or find work page as a bit of inspiration. And what I mean by that is if you're struggling to build a portfolio and you're thinking, right, I'm new to the freelance game, I'm quite interested in being, yeah, like a freelance graphic designer or something like that, but I don't really know what to draw um, or, you know, what to design, then take a look at some of these websites and see what people are asking for. Um, and even if you're not interested in bidding, why not just complete the project anyway? Because it gives you an idea and it gives you sort of real life evidence of what people are actually asking for. Um, and it gives you a good indication of what some clients might kind of be looking at you for in the future. So, you know, make sure you do kind of use sometimes a little bit of inspiration from some of the postings and think, right, OK, maybe this isn't for me right now. But next time that might be something I'd be interested in pitching for. Yeah, definitely. And one last thing as well that I just want to chuck in there before we end off this podcast is that um, your what you actually charge is going to be noted on your profile forever. So you want to basically steadily increase your um, hourly rate and the amount that you're working for project based. Because mm -hmm. when a freelance, uh, when an employer goes to your profile, if you'll say your ideal target is $100 an hour, right? And you found this job that's $100 an hour. So you bid on it and you say you're gonna do it for $100 an hour and they go on your profile and the last job you did was $25 an hour for the same thing. They're gonna be like, well, why am I gonna pay you 100 when you just did it for 25? So you need to basically don't accept jobs that are too low, even if it's just to get started on your um, freelance profile, because it's mm -hmm. going to damage you going forward. It's going to be hard to jump from, say, if you're just like, oh, I just really want that first five star review and you take on a job for like three dollars an hour or four dollars an hour or something stupid like that. 
it's going to be impossible to jump to like a normal rate of like 20 or 30 an hour when people are seeing your profile as you're working for these super, super low wages. They'll be like, hang on a minute, why am I going to pay you this when you're working for that? So you always want to be working towards, you know, set your minimum point and stick to it. Don't differ from that. Mm. And then as you go forward, I would say like every like two or three projects you do, just up your rates by a couple of percent yeah. and then that way over the course of like uh, uh you know a year or a couple of years you're gonna have a massive increase um in the actual amount of money that you're earning from mm. these platforms yeah it's very much uh give it a go see how you get on but don't expect fire results straight away let's just say it does take a bit of time to build up and build into it but certainly if you're new to the freelance game worth checking out those websites upwork fiverr freelancer.com people per hour just to name four off the top of my head i'm sure there's loads more there might even be some uh, expertly suited to your uh, field of freelancing let's just say so go and check them out it's definitely worth having a look at if you're a freelancer uh, and you are looking for a little bit of extra income but we could talk about freelance marketplaces all day but unfortunately uh, we're going to leave it there for this episode of the 100k freelancer club podcast loads more tips and advice over on our website 100kfreelancerclub.com we've got fully comprehensive courses and even some free material as well if you are interested in kind of furthering your freelance career uh, and making a real fist of self-employment particularly if you are a new freelancer and you really want some tips and tricks of the trade go and check out our website as i say 100kfreelancerclub.com and check out all the details on there if you are interested in getting involved but that's it for another episode of the show it's goodbye from me goodbye from jb and we'll catch you on the next one make sure you hit subscribe and we'll see you then